you cannot talk about a calling without going to a caller. Isn't that simple? <laughs> you can't say I'm called unless somebody calls you. And then you say, ah, I've been called. I was in the atrium down there in the bottom talking to somebody. And I had somebody busy, but I had my name called over there. And I look up and somebody was doing this. I say, oh yeah, praise the Lord. I have been called. And I had it. <laughs> That is the same that has to do with our calling. Somebody has either called us or is calling us. Now, if we don't like that somebody, we'll pretend we don't hear it. But if we like that person, we respond immediately, isn't it? Yes. So, let's talk about the calling. The question is, who is calling who is calling us? Who is issuing this calling? Who is he? Who is calling us? There are many things that cause people. Uh, I'll give you a negative, a negative example. Long time ago, there was a man called uh, Richard Pryor. Long time ago. And I saw him give an interview one time and he said something that amazed me because what he was talking about I've never experienced so I did not know but he said something that was amazing he said he, he had a little bit of drug problem just a little bit and he said when I'm in my bedroom asleep I hear a calling I hear a calling and he calls my name. And he said, Richard, come over. Come on. And he wakes up. And he goes to the caller. And the caller is not a good caller. It's a bad caller. But he calls his name. And he hears it. And he responds to it. So there are, there are certain kind of callings. That we don't want to be a part of, isn't it? We don't want to be a part of that. But there are things that do call people also. One of the biggest ones that calls a lot of people in a, many, a lot of countries, not only in America, so don't feel bad, in a lot of places, is called money. And he can call very loudly. <laughs> he does. He does call. And some is called fame. He calls people's name. And do, some do respond. And they remain there. But I want to talk about another calling. And to me, that is the calling. And that is the call of God. And when I say God, let me clarify. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Father and the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the God I'm talking about. These days, I live in so many different places and so many different cultures that when the name God is mentioned, you cannot assume it is the Almighty God. You cannot. I live among people who have got many other gods and they take them very seriously. 
But when I talk about God, I'm talking about the Almighty God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about His calling. There are two parts to the calling. There's a spiritual calling, and there's what I call physical or conscious calling. There's a spiritual calling. And then there's a physical or conscious calling. Now, the theologians, and we might have some here, and the experts have debated through the ages about the spiritual calling. Okay? And uh, they go to Romans. If you go to Romans and Romans 8, 28 to 30, Paul talks about it. Uh, and I'll read a little bit about that to give you some idea about what people like Aquinas and the early church fathers had to struggle with about, about human beings and our calling and our election and, and how we come to God and how we come to be saved. There's been a lot of great minds that have spoken about that. But listen to what Apostle Paul said, the mighty Apostle Paul. And he became mighty because he became small. That's how we rise, by going down. This is what he said. And I'm reading from Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 to 30 in the New King James. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Not called according to ours, is it? That, that, usually we leave that part out. <laughs> we don't want to hear about his purpose. You know, when I remember when the first time we got to, to Ghana, uh, that was about 13 years ago. And, and with my, my expert knowledge and understanding, I look at the whole horizon and I said, we would not be here more than five years. I know about these things. We would not be here more than five years. And I'm sure the Lord smiled. He says, son, you know nothing. Wait till you see what is about to take place. We've been there 13 years. <laughs> Amen. So, the calling is according to his purpose. It cannot be according to our purpose. It couldn't be something that we think is easy and we have the facility and the ability to do it and therefore this, my calling should be in this field because I have the facility for it. When I was called, I've never built a chicken coop in my life. But now, we have got a whole village with all manner of buildings. And I had to supervise all of them. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not easy and it is not easy. I have no facility in any of that. Tom is here. But over seven years ago they trained me to be a dentist. It was not easy. When I see blood, my knees knock together. But God made that possible. So it is to his purpose. The calling that God has on your life is for God's purpose, not yours. 
It is to God be the glory and to his purpose. You might see great, great fruit out of your calling. Praise the Lord for it. Praise the Lord for it. You may see no fruit. And this is what eats up the Americans. Because they got to see some results. We got it. We, we got it. We got it. I'm a steward of time. I got to use it profitably. Well, praise the Lord. If the Lord says it, it is profitable. Even if there is nothing to show for it. The prophet Jeremiah. He prophesied 40 good years. With hardly any food to show for it. 40 years. 40 years. How many of you have been at what you are doing for 40 years? There might be a few, but there's and, and no fruit. You, you are about to say that I have taken the wrong call. I miss God. This is not the calling He gave me because there are no fruits. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. No fruit. It's not the Lord. Beware. The Lord works in mysterious and wonderful ways. But the calling is His purpose, isn't it? But I'm talking about the spiritual calling, so I'll, I'll, I'll speak through that. And listen to what it says. I'm in verse 29 now. For whom he foreknew, that's the beginning part of the spiritual calling. It starts with foreknowing. God foreknowing us. You know, just like he tells Isaiah, and he, he tells Ezekiel and others, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. There is a foreknowing. Now, either we existed in some other world or we existed somewhere in heaven. I don't know. And I don't think we need to worry much about that. But God knew us. In what form? I don't know. But God knew us. He foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these also, these he also called. Whom, let's see, he called, these also he justified. And whom he justified, these also he glorified. These things, if there's anybody who's a theologian here, I would, I would love for him to explain. These things are over my head. I have read many books from many theologians, very, very well-versed and filled with all manner of knowledge trying to explain this. We have the Wesleyans and we have the, all kind of things, but the point is this. I think if we start from this point, we'll stay clear of all the controversy. God knew us before the beginning. And he called us. Before we came to be. How he did it. The process he used it. I prefer to leave it to God. <laughs> because if either I understand it. How he did it. Or the, the intricacies that is involved. Will not change for me. The main thing I need to know is. God. The almighty God has called me. And so that's where I will leave the spiritual calling. It's very important. It's the foundation for this physical and conscious calling. It is. 
But the mechanism, I don't know. But I know one thing. That when you are called consciously, God will make sure that you understand that part. So we go to that part. So we talk about calling. There are many ways that God brings this spiritual calling to our conscious mind. There are many ways. If you take Ezekiel, he said, before he formed him, all this and that. But there was a day that God came to him. And Ezekiel was able to identify, ah, this is God. And he's calling me to something. Even though he has been called spiritually already, he became conscious of the calling at a particular time. And I want us to talk a little bit about that, those, those times. Uh, if anybody have any interesting one, we'd love to hear it if it's not long. But I can give you a good example. I was asleep. I was already involved in inner city ministry. We've been doing it for over 10 years, and it was going very well. We had drug rehabs. We had a building very close to the Ritz-Carlton. That's how much, how influential we were. How many of you know Atlanta, Georgia? Okay, there's a Cortland Street there, and Ellis. There's a building there. Right now it's called Safe House Ministries. It's an inner city ministry. God called us to start that ministry many years back. And it was going well. And we said, this is it. Praise the Lord. He's given us a ministry. It's working. Hallelujah. It's going to get bigger and bigger. And we're going to thank the Lord for it. And we were excited. Then one day, you all know how that story goes, when one day comes in, all of a sudden... (laughs) All of a sudden, everything goes upside down. One day, I was asleep. And a gentleman walked to me. And he said, King, do you remember the Alabaster Project? And I said, no. And he said, you know it. I mean, this guy knew me more than I knew myself. I said, no. And he said, you know it. Wow. Okay. If I know it, then I have forgotten. That's what I told him. He said, go and read Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 to 8. Just like that, audibly. Soon as he finished telling me that, he turned around and he was gone. In my spirit, I perceived that that was the most important message of my life. I perceived it even in my sleep. And I struggled to remember the verse while I was asleep. I remember that clearly. And when I woke up, that was the first thing I remembered. Matthew 26, 6 to 8. I ran to my Bible and peeled it open. And he said, Jesus went to Bethany into the house of one called Simon the leper. And while he was there, a woman came there with alabaster flask of 
ointment. But the one that God called my attention to was the verse 8. He said, and when the disciples saw this, they became indignant. And they said, what a waste! What a waste! It wasn't Jesus' enemies who said that now. It was his own disciples who were angry that Jesus should be honored in such a special way. And I realized, so I went back to God. I said, God, I got the story. What part of that do you want me to play? Okay, I got it. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go and waste your life on me. Because that was the exact words that the apostles used against Jesus. They said, what a waste. And Jesus said, I want you to go and waste your life on me. Brothers and sisters, the call, the call confounds us many times. Because we have preconceived ideas and notions. We have better plans and understanding than God does. And sometimes we look at the calling and it does not meet our criteria. And therefore we ignore it. Because it doesn't meet our criteria. But he said, go and waste your life on him. What is waste? I was born in uh, one, uh, one culture. I learned that cultural language. Then I learned English. And I learned other languages. And therefore, I'm a student of languages. And I try to research things to understand so that I can communicate them properly. So, what is waste? Anything that you do more than is necessary is a waste. It makes no difference what it is. If it's more than necessary, it is a waste. If Mary had poured a little bit of the ointment on Jesus' head and taking the rest and sold it, it would have been sufficient. You see, it wouldn't have been a waste. But because you poured the whole thing more than was necessary, it was a waste. Now, that is the calling, isn't it? Jesus poured all that he had in him and broke the vessel. Paul said, I'm like a drink poured out. And they poured everything. God poured everything out of him. And then did what? Broke the vessel. All the apostles poured them out and broke the vessel. The calling. My brothers and sisters, there are many ways that others are called. Some are called by circumstances. Some are called by other people. Some are called in a dream like I, I was. Some are called in many other ways. But there's one thing that I'll say that if you don't understand or you never got anything that I've said, please understand this. 
Because this is the foundation of everything. When you go on missions, I won't say if, but I'll say when. Because it's just a matter of time. Because you are all called on mission. We are all on mission. So when you go on mission, the degree to which your mission will succeed depends on the degree to which you understand your calling. Listen to this again. The degree to which your mission will succeed is exactly equivalent to the understanding of your calling. In other words, if you are 50% sure of your calling, your success rate will be what? 50%. If you have no percent of your calling, then the rate will be, the success rate will be the same. So it is not based on, on what you achieve on missions, but it's based on the understanding of your calling. Jesus went back to his calling many, many, many times to affirm, him, to affirm it to himself and to others. This is the reason why I came. This is why I came. He said many times, this is why I came. This is why I came. I know my calling. I know what I've been asked to do. When Paul Peter was trying to be nice to him, he said, please don't go and die. He said, to this I was called. And because he knew his calling, a hundred percent, he fulfilled it a hundred percent. I have worked with many missionaries in many lands from, from many, many places. From Canada, United States, Great Britain, Korea, Jamaica, from many places. And a lot of them are doing great work. You can see those that know for sure what they are called to do you can see the way they go about it. The zeal with which they go about it. It has nothing to do with the result. The result belongs to God, isn't it? Isn't it? L- listen, if you don't know, let me tell you, brothers and sisters. The result belongs to God. It's called the increase. He said he will bring the increase. Okay, so no, don't let me assume that you know that. It's God who brings the increase. He brings the increase. The result is his. However... The work is yours. You do that. And he brings the increase. So it is not about what you've achieved. When we're going to missions, most people who knew me thought I was a madman. And in some respect, they were right. (laughs) I'm mad about Jesus because he's mad about me. They said, how can you take your wife and children into missions, especially where you are going, and you do not know what God wants you to do? When God said we should go to world missions, he took us out of the mission, uh, the, 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 the 
home missions and said go to world missions. He gave us only two things, okay? I know some of you might be struggling, going to the mission field, wondering what, what God is calling me to do. Let me give you, share it with you. He told me two specific things. I want you to go to Ghana. That's number one. I want you to go to a city called Tamale. That's number two. Number three, I will meet you there. That was it. That was it. I will meet you there. That's it. What? <laughs> That's it. Everybody I spoke to looked at me like this. this we knew this bar was crazy, but boy, he's gone over the deep end. He's taking his wife and kids, going to Africa, not just Africa, way out in the Sahara Desert. He has no clue what God wants him to do. People began to give me counsel. You know how that goes. <laughs> Unsolicited counsel. But you're going to get it anyway. So you might as well just grin and bear it. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get it. I mean, they are the experts. <laughs> you don't know a thing. <laughs> so they, I got a lot of counsel. And I kept saying, thank you. Thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. What they did not know was that my heart and mind was set on God. And when God said go, I was in the go mode. My mode was go. So after I listened to all the stories, I said, praise the Lord, it's over. Let's go. My wife, my kids, one was one year old, one was two and a half years old. Got a plane, we have no support. There was no church supporting us. There was no people supporting us. We were not going with any sending organization. We were going with God, the one who called us. We bought a ticket, got to Ghana, bought a, a truck, and we say, How do you get to Tamale? They said, Oh, it's easy. Get on this road, don't make any turn, you get there. <laughs> so, you know. We believe them. We got on the road and kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going until we came to a road. There was something across the road. We couldn't go any further. So we stopped looking at There were three men sitting there. We were sitting in our truck looking at them and they were looking at us. <laughs> we will move. They will move. So finally, one of them saw that these guys are crazy. They won't get out of the truck. I better talk to them. So he walked to me and he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Tamale. He turned and looked at the other two. And they laughed. And they said, this is not the way to Tamale. You lost. I said, what? He said, you've passed it many, many miles back there. I said, but they told me not to make any turn. He said, it was one right turn. They didn't tell you. <laughs> to make a long story short, we got to Tamale. And through amazing ways, God confirmed. And indeed, He met us. The Lord is always faithful. He met us. And He began to show us step by step what needed to be done in the ministry. Now the ministry has grown, it's become international. And everybody say, oh, we know God is with you. We can tell. Look at the result. And I always look at the same people who are saying, this is a madman. <laughs> Taking his family into the wild blue yonder. 
with no idea. The same people are saying, the Lord is with you. And I always say, thank you, but in my head I'm saying, you are late, brother. <laughs> You're waiting to see the results before you know God is with somebody. You're waiting to see the evidence before you believe it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Once you see the result, it's no longer faith. It's called knowledge. We do not walk in knowledge. We walk by faith. Brothers and sisters, if God is calling you, don't walk by knowledge. Habakkuk, the faithful shall live. The righteous shall live by their faith. If you wait till you get all the ducks in the row before you follow God, you've missed him. He's gone already. He's long gone. You're just following the smoke or the dust. He's gone. He's gone. Trust the Lord who calls you. Trust him. Trust him. He's able and he will do it. He will do it. I don't want to stop there. I want us to go a little further. That the calling comes with certain requirements also. One of the most famous one is in Leviticus. Leviticus 10.3 You see, those that God calls, He has got a special plan for them, but He also has a special relationship with them. Because if you go to Matthew, you hear it talks about many are called, isn't it? Many are called. But how many are chosen? Very few. Very few. Why is it that many are called, but very few are chosen? Why is that many are called, but very few are chosen? It's a complicated process, but I'll tell you, I think it's Isaiah 46.10. It says he knows the end from the beginning. God knows the end. From the beginning. Therefore he knows those. That will hear his voice. And will obey him. And he chooses those. Even though he's called a lot. Because he wants to give us all the opportunity. But those that will hear him. Are chosen to do those specific works. Do you all remember. Well so when you go read about. Go read about Ezekiel. When God called him. He said the same thing that Moses said. He said, I'm young. A lot of people believe that he was a teenager when God called him. He said, how can I speak to these older men? And women, of course. I'm young. I'm young. But God said, you will do the work. Because I have put in you what it takes. 
You all remember Moses? He said, I can't speak. God would have said, okay, go on, I'll call the next guy. Couldn't he? He could have. But he said, Moses, trust me, I made the mouth. I can make it work. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And from that day on, we did not see Moses having a problem talking, did we? No. He stood before Pharaoh and spoke, you Pharaoh, you watch out. He had no problem speaking. Jonah is a classic example, isn't he? God could have let him go to Tashish. And he would have called the next guy. Say, next, next prophet in line, come on. You're going to Nineveh. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. He said, Jonah, I've chosen you for this task. And you shall perform it. And he did perform it. When God calls us, I want you all to watch this very closely. It's very, very important because to those who have been given special privileges comes special responsibilities. It is always the way of God. If he gives you a special privilege, you have a special responsibility. Let me tell you, some of the things that those prophets went through, (laughs) some people took all their pains off, tied their things and put on their shoulder and walked around town. Can you imagine your neighbors looking at you walking around naked and say, God told me to do that. I said, brother, <laughs> what have you been drinking? <laughs> we know it's not Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes. But the calling comes with responsibilities. One of the most glaring and one of the most powerful ones it's in Leviticus 10.3. Aaron and his children have just been anointed the first priests of the living God. Before then, there have not been any. The first priests of the living God. I can imagine they were pumped, they were hyped up, they were wearing special clothes that nobody could wear, they were smelling with all that anointing, and they said, yeah, we are the man. Don't mess with us. God is standing with the, behind us with a big stick. You'll be in trouble. We are the privileged one. We are the priests. And Aaron's two children made a mistake and immediately they found out the consequences of their calling. The consequences of their calling. This is the way it reads. I better start from verse 1 to 3 so that we can get a good snapshot. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. I'm talking about instant death. Push, gone, barbecue. Done. (laughs) Done. It wasn't a long process. It was one of that rare, done, finish. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. 
and before all the people and must be glorified. I'm aware that the translation in the New King James and the NIV are pretty different. I'm aware of that. But let's use the New King James. See, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. I must be regarded as holy. And I must be glorified. With special privilege comes special responsibility. It is always the ways of God. It has always been from the beginning and it will be to the end. When you are called by God and chosen, you are a special person to Him. He will allow you to come closer to Him when others cannot. He will come to you and give you instructions and directions. He will allow you to approach Him directly and speak to Him and He will hear you and answer you directly. Those that are not allowed cannot come that close to God. Just like the Israelites and Moses. When the mountain began to quake and the fire began to burn and the whole place, the noise was going on, the Israelites fell. They said, we don't want to get close to God. Moses, we love you so much. You go. As for us, we learn our faces right here. <laughs> we like it here. We just lay down. You go. And Moses went. So when God calls you, my brothers and sisters, you have got a special relationship with him because he has allowed it. But you also have a special responsibility. You need to take the word of God seriously and apply it to your lives so that that relationship will continue to be there. And God will do mighty works because he said, those who know their God shall do mighty exploits. He will do mighty works through you. A lot of you here are going to be the leaders for the next generation. I was speaking yesterday and I was talking about the two phases of mission. Most organizations and us Christians, we are locked up in the first phase. And that first phase is where we are going and we are doing and we are doing the healing and all that. But the second phase is what God is calling us to. That we empower others. We disciple others. We equip others. And we take them. And they do the work. So more of the work can be done. You are the next people who are going to do that. My generation are very much involved in talking. They talk a lot. Yes. Yes. I go to many missions. And they talk a lot. That's why I usually don't spend time with them. You see people mingling. No, I'll be hiding in the corner just asking the Lord what needs to be done. Because we talk, but we don't go forward. But God is looking for people that are zealous for him. Listen to this word. He's looking for people that are zealous for him. Because he's zealous for us. He has a zeal. A zeal. You know? Uh, it, we talk about fanatic. A zealot is more than a fanatic. 
We talk about somebody who is obsessed with something. A zealot is more obsessed than that. We don't have a word greater than zeal. God is zealous for us. That's why the devil cannot come near us. If he wasn't, we'll all be wiped out. But the devil knows this man is not playing with his kids. You mess with them, you're gone. I better stay away from them. So we have a special relationship. Anybody who feels called, I'll tell you this. If you know you are called, you have a special relationship with God. How do I know that? If you did not have that, you wouldn't be called. So he has called you to himself. The next thing that I want you to talk about, what is the time? When are we supposed to finish? Almost now, right? 2.45. When you are called, please note this down. Anytime a person is called, he's always, not sometimes, he's always called to God. Please note this down. You are not called to missions. You're not called to medicine. You're not called to all the things we talk or think we are called to know. We are all called to God. You are called to God. I'm called to God. When you get to God, He'll tell you what you need to do and what you are doing is for Him. So you are called to God. Once you understand this, listen to this, especially those of you who are going to go into ministries in foreign lands where, where ministry is tough, like most, uh, around Muslims, unbelievers, and th- you go to some places that is hard as rock. If you call to a place like that, you need to know daily, every moment of your life, that you are called by God to God. You are called by God to God. Now, I can go into more scriptures. We don't have time. But when you read about Aaron and his children, he said, you are my priest. He didn't say you are priest to Israel. They are not priests to Israel. No priest is a priest to any people. Every priest is a priest to who? God! You are called by God to God. Therefore, when you go to a place and you are doing ministry and you don't see any results, you're not worried because who are you called to? God. You're not called to those people. When you go there and the people are mean to you, you continue to minister to them because you are called to God. You go there and they stone you, you get well and you go back to the same place because the God you are called to said you should still go back. A lot of missionaries do leave the mission field because the people they go to, they they are not grateful people. The people are not grateful. They weren't saying thank you all the time. They weren't smiling with me all the time. They were stealing my things, stealing my goats and my sheep. They're breaking into my car, beating my children, and this is the people I've given up everything to come and say, I am out of here. Because they felt They have been called to those people. And those people have been ungrateful. So they need to leave those people. That is never the case. That's never the case. Your calling is from God to God. And he rewards you as you work for him. If we Christians will understand a little bit that our religion is also military will help us. The Muslims understand that. 
that their religion is military. It's very regimented and it works by force. Yes. But Paul has told us that we are in the same place, isn't it? We are military people. But we act like civilians. We are military. And we are obedient to our commanding officer, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Those of you who don't know your calling and desire to know your calling before I close, I'd love to pray with you if you want to know your calling. But I want to tell you this. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> so let me tell you this, guys. If you don't know your calling, you can stay comfortable where you are and you have a good excuse. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Okay, guys? And sometimes you want to do that. But if you say, I want to know my calling, then guess what? You assume the responsibility of obeying. So you choose which one you want. You want to be ignorant? Don't, don't raise your hand. I'll pray for you. <laughs> but if you truly desire to know the calling God has for you, then we will pray that God will reveal it to you. And then the consequence is that you have to obey it. And you have to do it. Because I think it's Deuteronomy 29, 29 says that the secret things belong to God. But the, whatever is revealed to us is for, our, for us and our children forever. I think, let me make sure. Let me make sure. Okay, it is correct. Deuteronomy 29, 29. This is the way it says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may do the words of the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm sure some people are saying, I don't pray for me. I don't want to know. I've got some plans. Let me fulfill those plans for it. The Lord is gracious and he's merciful and he's kind. He knows your situation more than you know it. He knows it. He knows that man you want to marry so badly that you put in all those nice perfumes and cologne. He knows all about that. He knows all about that. He knows all about that. When we got married, my wife began to tell me all the techniques she was using. I was totally oblivious to it. <laughs> I was like a blind goat. I didn't know which way I was going. Just walking around, la, 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 la. <laughs> she had a plan. She was praying and working her plan. But thank God, one day God woke me up and said, Son, look down for a moment. You've been looking up a lot. I have something down here for you. I looked and said, Huh? I said, That's her. So, oh, praise the Lord. Hey, when do we get married? <laughs> Quickly, we were married because now, hey, I can see now. I was blind, but now I can see. God knows everything that we, we are concerned about. He's concerned about it also. He's concerned about it also. He's a wonderful God. We are the only people who have the God who died for us. 
It's an incredible thing to think about. That's why other religions do not believe us. They say, how, come, how can a God die for you? They, they, they can, I mean, no man, I can't fathom it. That a potter, you look at it closely, a potter takes ordinary clay, steps on it, makes it soft, makes a nice vessel out of it, put it up there, and he's so much in that, so in love with that vessel, that he'll die for it. Does that make sense to you? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense to me. Thank God it doesn't make sense to me. Because if it does, then it's too small. Then it cannot be God. God is so ahead of us. He says his ways are so high, we can't phantom it. Sometimes we pretend we do, but we don't. But he's ahead of us. You are called by God unto himself. Your responsibility is to God, not to what you are called to. But your responsibility is to the one who called you. Not what you are called to, but who called you. Remember that when the Lord calls you, he gives you special privileges. He does. And he would be with you until the end. I'll pray then we go. Father, I pray now for all those people who desire to know your calling on their lives. Lord, that by your power and by your Holy Spirit you reveal to them clearly. And Lord, give them the heart that will obey your calling. Father, we thank you that you are call, your calling and your, the gifts are without repentance. For you have filled us from the beginning with all the ability that we need to do the work that you've called us for. Thank you so much. Now I pray that those for whom you are calling will obey you. And those who know they are calling will run to it. And they will let every hindrance fall off of them. Lord, those who need miracles to be worked out for them to obey your command, Lord, work it out for them. Because you are the God of miracles. Those who need to be married, those who need to finish school, those who need to be healed, those who need to have finances, those who need to have favor, Lord, you know everything that we need to be able to do the work you call us to. Please accomplish it for us, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. May the Lord bless you. See you all later. Thank you, Jesus.